Darnell Williams at the tailback. They'll hand it off to Williams up the middle. 25. Cuts it inside. 30. 35. 40. There goes Cadillac. To the 50. To the 40. To the 30. To the 20. To the 15. 10. Go crazy, Cadillac. Go crazy. Touchdown. Now they can play a little safer. But they're not going to. Nix is back. Throws it downfield. Caught. Touchdown, Williams. A 20-yard attempt. Josh Harris, the snapper. He'll call to the place. He'll hold it. Byron waits for the snap to the place. There it is. The kick is up. The kick is good. Auburn wins. 22-19. What's going on, everybody? And welcome to another episode of the Auburn Today podcast. As always, my name is Noble. Don't you my co-host Wheeler. Today we have a fun podcast breaking down some Auburn recruiting right after early signing day, kind of breaking down the class, kind of talking about expectations, things like that, and then going towards basketball. Uh, Auburn had their West Coast road trip with a loss to USC and a win against Washington. So we'll break all that good stuff down. But first, we're going to go to Wheeler's opinion. Wheeler, obviously, early signing day was on Wednesday had a couple surprises, a couple guys that we wanted to get that we didn't, a couple guys that we wanted to get that we did. Uh, just kind of give us your thoughts on, you know, kind of going into the day, what you expected, what were the biggest surprises to you, and who were somebody, who's the guy that you think will make the biggest difference in this class? You see, Noble makes it sound like, you know, he's all professional and stuff. We were talking before the podcast, and the guy tells me that I need to hit the brakes that I'm too high on Hugh, that I'm too high on what's going on, and uh, basically saying that Hugh Freeze and Brian Harson are the same recruiter. I did not say That's that That's exactly what he said. I think that y'all should let him know in the comment section and on his question sticker uh, whether or not you think that that's a factual statement. Um, of course, Noble likes to have non-factual statements every now and then just to, you know, keep people on their toes. Anyway, no. I was really excited about the class. Um, I was only surprised by the Tony Mitchell news. Turns out uh, he might have, you know, a little bit of character. I don't want to say character problems. I think he's a little full of himself. You know, I think as a five-star, sometimes it's hard to realize that other people exist and that reporters, you know, are not paid as much as college football coaches. So screwing with their lives right around Christmas is not typically perceived well by the general public. Um, but Hey, he's 18 years old. I'm sure he'll learn in the Nick Saban system or in the transfer portal when he ends up in Maryland, um, as most Alabama transfers do. Um, but that's just not okay to do. Uh, if you didn't hear what he did, he basically told Auburn, Texas A&M and Alabama, that uh, he was coming to their school and requested beat writers from those schools to come to Thompson High School and uh, take a photo shoot for the stories that they were going to write about him. And then it was revealed, you know, a couple of hours before they started that he would not be attending the schools that those beat writers were covering. And it just kind of left them in the lurch. So, you know, there is that. Uh, we had... Keldrick uh, Falk, he was a big flip. Uh, Hugh Free said in his press conference that that was kind of his number one guy that he spent the most time with, uh, the edge rusher um, from home. So four-star in the state of Alabama, flipped him from Florida State. That's big. 
Kalen Lee flipping him from Ohio State. I mean, that's always good when you're flipping somebody from Ohio State. Um, Noble also, you know, a bastion of just misinformation, said that he was frustrated with Freeze's recruiting because, uh, you know, he didn't flip anybody from SEC schools. But I look at the class and I see Sylvester Smith, and he was a Tennessee commit that was flipped, you know, a couple of days before signing day, the uh, four-star safety. So loaded up in the defensive backfield, um, picked up a couple of O-linemen. I think the O-line's in better shape. We still need to clean up in the uh, transfer portal. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we've already missed on Ben Scott out of the transfer portal from Arizona State. He's going to play center at Nebraska um, after, you know, some Auburn websites put 100% confidence that he was coming to Auburn. That's just a tough look. Um, but, yeah, I think we're headed in the right direction, but we're not there yet. That would be my that would be my summary of where Auburn recruiting is right now. And I would say that that is that is the heart of where I am, in my opinion. I think that a lot of people have really gone gung ho, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't be excited, but I am saying that there is still a lot of work to do for this football program to be back to where it needs to be. And obviously, Sylvester Smith flipping in from Tennessee that was big, but Sylvester Smith isn't a guy. He wasn't a guy that wanted to go to Tennessee. He was a guy that wanted to come to Auburn, but Auburn was so unstable and it was such a bad situation, such a bad recruiting situation under Brian Harson that he didn't have a choice but to go to Tennessee. So when someone who is a competent recruiter comes in and starts going after him, that's when he really started leaning towards Auburn and obviously uh, finished the flip and is in the class. But my biggest concern is this class was number 20 overall in the country number I think it was eighth overall in the SEC and obviously Hugh Freeze only had three weeks to do this it's a win that he did that but we still missed out on some big guys and eventually you got to get top 10 and I'm not saying that Hugh Freeze I don't think I'm not saying that my expectation was for Hugh Freeze to get a top 10 class but I'm not I am saying it is imperative that he gets a top 10 class next cycle and I'm not saying it's fair I'm not saying that my expectations for Hugh Freeze's recruiting are fair. I'm just saying what has to happen for Auburn to compete because the thing is, and this is something that people might disagree with and I might get a little bit of hate for, the same people that are saying that this is an A-plus recruiting class for Hugh Freeze are the same people that are going to be calling for his head if he wins seven games next year and loses to Alabama, Georgia, LSU, Texas A&M, all these guys that have better recruiting than we do because Auburn hasn't had a top-10 class in I think since 2019's recruiting cycle. So I'm just saying uh, Auburn's talent right now is not what it was under Gus Malzahn. Gus Malzahn spit out top 10 recruiting classes year in and year out. His talent was always good. Even if he was losing games, he had talented players. And Freeze isn't going to be like that. And I think that's something that everyone says that Hugh Freeze is going to be Gus Malzahn 2.0. But right now, the roster that Hugh Freeze has is significantly worse than any roster Gus Malzahn had at Auburn. So I'm just saying, I'm not saying that I'm disappointed in Hugh Freeze. I'm not saying that he didn't do a good job. I think he did a great job with what he had. But eventually, you're going to have to turn it around quick. And the transfer portal is a great way to do that. And that's a, you know, a resource that the previous Auburn coaches haven't really had. They always had to focus through high school, JUCO, and a little bit through the transfer market. But Hugh Freeze can rely a lot more on the transfer market But the transfers right now really aren't flowing through. Obviously, we all know the Grayson McCall saga, that whole academic problem thing. We either mentioned earlier Ben Scott missing out on the offensive lineman. Isaiah Jada, the JUCO offensive lineman, lost him to Colorado on signing day. 
I mean, and yeah, we've we've brought in some guys, Rivaldo Fairweather, the tight end from FIU and Elijah McAllister from Vanderbilt. That's good. Those are positions of need, but you still really got to pump that transfer portal. And I'm not saying that he won't. I mean, when the second wave happens after bowl season, he'll be active. But I am saying there's still a lot of work to do on the recruiting front and not just next, like this year's class still has a lot of work to do. And I still think that there are a lot of glaring holes in this roster that haven't been addressed. And Hugh Freeze was very quick to mention that in his post-game press conference. But I'm just saying that this was not an A-plus day for signing day. There's still tons of holes in this roster. There's still tons of things that need to be addressed before the first game. And it's not just the glaring thing. Like, quarter, like you know, we don't know who's going to be the quarterback. Offensive linemen's obviously, you know, a concern. We brought in offensive linemen. We brought in bodies. At the very least, we're going to have a new offensive line. So that's fine. Like, I'm not even talking about the offensive line as much, but linebackers. There's going to be a hole there. We've, you know, we lost Owen Papo, especially to the draft. Barton Lester graduated. Like, the depth is gone. The starter is gone. Like, there's a hole in that linebacker room. Defensive linemen. You lose a lot of guys. You lose a lot of, I mean, obviously Colby Wooden and Derek Call go into the draft. Marquise Burks is a great rotational defensive tackle. He's gone. Like, if we don't, I mean, I, I think that Keldrick Falk and Darren Reed are both going to be, you know, good players for Auburn. They're the, you know, highest rated signees in this class. But starting true freshmen on the defensive line is tough. I mean, there's a big difference between high school football and SEC college football. So I'm not entirely sure if they'll be ready day one to be starting. So, I'm not trying to be a negative Nancy, but I am saying that there are a lot of holes still in this roster that need to be addressed before the first day. So the way I looked at this early signing period was a good, it was a good day. It was a good day for Hugh Freeze, but he needs to have a lot. He needs to have a lot of better days ahead if Auburn wants to be competitive this year, because like I said, the fans want to win and winning seven games is not going to cut it with how this fan base can turn so quickly on somebody, he needs to be able to win at least eight games and upset somebody. And I know that I might be sounding, you know, whatever people say I'm negative. I I think Hugh Freeze is going to be a good coach, but I am saying that there's a lot of work to do before this fall. Yeah. I mean, the team that the roster that he's replenishing, you know, and you could argue that, the major players that have left this season have not even been replaced yet. Didn't make a bowl game. Yeah. So if you're not even replacing with equal talent to a team that didn't make a bowl game, that's not a good place to be. Um, and he, he's going to have to, he's going to have to do well in the transfer portal because there was nothing that he was going to do in high school recruiting that was going to fix the problems of the roster this season. It was always going to be transfer portal. And it does seem like things kind of, I mean, I don't know. I think perception can also be changed by the fact of like Grayson McCall. Everybody, you know, all sport, all the Auburn writers are like, oh, Grayson McCall contacted Hugh Freeze. Auburn's number one on Grayson McCall's list. And then it turns out, eh, it doesn't look like you're going to get him unless he can get his academics figured out. Then you've got, you know, Ben Scott. Oh, this is a really good Pac-12 lineman. Auburn's 100% confident. Auburn's going to get him. Doesn't get him. I mean, I think that unintentionally the media is also kind of not helping the fact that the guy, I don't know, it it seems like he may or may not be getting things done in the portal. But at the end of the day, if he was getting signees, it wouldn't really matter if the media were getting predictions wrong. Um, I don't 
I don't think we have enough offensive linemen yet. I definitely think there's going to be need to be some more portal offensive linemen. The guy from Stanford, um, an offensive tackle from Stanford, is in the transfer portal. Auburn's in his top schools. Um, there's a lot, you know, left. You hope that you can hold on to a guy like uh, Cobb from Montgomery. Uh, all indications are that he's still solid on Auburn, but you never like when a guy decides to sign in February when they were supposed to sign for your school in January. That's typically a bad sign for the school that they're committed to. So I'm a little bit concerned about that. Um, but, yeah, it's like you said. I mean, Hugh said in his press conference, this team, this this roster is not ready to go out and compete, and we have to get it to a place where it can compete. And I think that it's just going to be – a question of whether or not he's able to do it and whether or not the staff that he's assembled is going to be able to do it. Because, you know, looking outside, looking in, this staff has not been the most impressive as far as name recognition Mm -hmm. and coming from SEC school recognition. That doesn't mean that they're bad football coaches. You can be a great football coach and not coach in the SEC. I'm not saying that they're bad football coaches, but – how much relationship do they have with a lot of these SEC players if they haven't been in the SEC and recruiting these guys when they were coming out of high school? I think that that's something that is a little bit concerning. Um, And then how slow the staff has been getting hired and how it's kind of been very murky to the point that, I mean, it's unclear for people that are following it every single day to figure out who exactly has been officially hired and who's a rumored hire and who's out on the trail and who's not out on the trail. Um, a lot of stuff. It just seems like, and it is, I mean, when you hire a new coach three weeks before signing day, it's just a whirlwind of all the things that are happening. But I don't know. I We'll have to see. I think it's too early to determine what this season's going to be because you just haven't seen enough transfer portal guys say yes or no to Auburn to make a decision. Yeah, but I mean, I'm just, I would say if you walk through the roster off, off the top of my head, you got to bring a quarterback in. Whether it's going to be a guy that starts or not, you have to have a quarterback in for the sole re- of just a numbers wise. The the chances that TJ Finley is on Auburn's football team this fall are very low, I, in, in my opinion. I mean, that's not exactly. I mean, there are a lot of rumors that indicate that, but I'm not saying that he's in the portal right now because he's not. But it, it looks so people like people say that he's not in the portal because he's. Trying to graduate in May. Yes, I have heard. I have. Portal. I have heard that rumor as well. But regardless, there's a low chance that TJ Finley's on the team. So then that leaves you. Uh, you know, Trey Lindsey hit the portal. If you look at just the the composition of the quarterback room, you need another guy in there, and you need another guy in there that, if injuries happen, you feel somewhat comfortable having them play. And so Hank Brown, the three star freshman, is not going to be that guy. And so you need a quarterback. You need at least one, probably two portal wide receivers to help bolster the wide receiver room. You already landed a tight end, so you're fine in the tight end room. Running back, you definitely need to land at least one running back from the portal. It doesn't have to be a starter. I mean, obviously, I mean, you want to bring someone who started somewhere, but I'm saying like with Jarquez and Damari, you need three running backs that you feel good about. Even if one of them doesn't get hurt, you want to put like ideally you want to have three running backs that you feel good about. And if one goes down, you still have your two, one, two punch, good, all that good stuff. Dylan Johnson from Mississippi State is a guy that Auburn's been recruiting. That's a name to watch. But so you definitely need a running back, probably two receivers, a quarterback, and at least two more offensive linemen, in my opinion. Dylan Wade is a guy to watch from Tulsa. He's a 
I think he's personally an Auburn lean. He is my prediction for our next land, uh, next guy to land in the portal. Uh, so that's definitely a name to watch. On the defensive side, you need, I think, probably at least one or two more uh, defensive linemen and probably two linebackers as well. So you just look at that, and obviously there are going to be more guys that you look for. I think the secondary should be pretty fine, uh, especially with last year's class mixed with this year's class. Keontae Scott's still going to be here. DJ James is still deciding whether he's going to go to the NFL draft or come back. But if he stays, you're really fine with corner. Um, you'll have Keontae, DJ James out there, uh, Jalen Simpson, a possibility of staying, you know, staying at safety where he was the second half of this season or going back to corner. You also have, obviously, just in this freshman class, Kay and Lee, the four-star that Auburn flipped from Ohio State. You've got Sylvester Smith and Terrence Love, two four-star safeties coming in. Tyler Scott is another guy that has signed his letter of intent, but he won't announce it until January 7th. Uh, a lot of people think that he'll end up in Auburn's class. So that's another guy to watch. And also going back to last year's class with Jadarian Rhyme and Austin Osbury, you have enough young guys that you've brought in the past few years that you feel good, in my opinion, about the secondary. And you don't necessarily need to bring in a transfer guy. Now, obviously, if there's someone that you absolutely fall in love with, you offer them. But I think that just based off of need – you know, linebackers, defensive linemen, interior offensive linemen, a couple receivers, a running back. So you can definitely see where the thing is. But also, on the flip side, if you do solve that, this team could be something to look at. Uh, Auburn has reached out to Spencer Sanders, the QB transfer from Oklahoma State, started four seasons uh, in Stillwater. So if you have if you have uh, Spencer Sanders or, you know, Grayson McCall, there is still a chance. You know, I, I'm kind of in the minority. A lot of people say that the ship has sailed. I don't think it's 100% shut. I think there's a very low chance. But if he does graduate and really, you know, puts his, puts his head to the ground and can graduate, there is a slim chance that he will be playing somewhere next fall. Regardless, if you have Grayson McCall or Spencer Sanders as your quarterback or a developed Robbie Ashford that Hugh Freeze seems very excited about, he has been very active on social media talking about Robbie and the potential for him or even, you know, someone, you know, kind of more of a dark horse, Holden Gurner, everyone knows he's got a good arm. If you, you know, starts getting into practice and thinks that Holden's going to be a guy, he can develop him. So regardless, if you have Holden, Robbie, or a transfer quarterback, you look at that, you land Dylan Johnson from the portal, you have Dylan Johnson, Jarquez Hunter, and Damari Olsen as your running back room. That's solid. Uh, you know, Ra-Ra Thomas, who was Auburn's number one wide receiver target, ended up going to Georgia. But if you can get Deontay Thornton, who is a wide receiver transfer from Oregon, you can get some more of those wide receiver guys, have a good wide receiver room. Plus, with the coaching that will be coming in from Hugh Freeze and Philip Montgomery's new off you know, new offensive scheme. I think the offense could be a solid unit. I really do. I just think that you have to get the right guys to play the right positions for this fall before you really feel good. So I think that right now, and whether you can, you know, disagree with me on this if you want, I think that right now you're kind of just in a cautiously optimistic wait and see mode. Like you feel decent with the high schoolers right now, but you obviously, you know, you need a you need a really top 10 class in here for the next high school class, but you really got to lean on the portal right now to just do a quick replenish of what you have. And really, I feel like the portal season hasn't really hit that hard yet because, you know, a half of college football is playing a game in the next, you know, two to three weeks. So a lot of guys don't hit the portal until after their season ends. So I think that the portal is about to heat up. And I think that that's really where you will be able to see Hugh Freeze's 
kind of recruiting, you know, because he that I always think that's interesting is high school. You're selling a guy for the next three to four years. You're not just selling him for his freshman year, mm-hmm. you know. So when you look at a portal guy, a lot of the time you're selling two, one to two years, possibly three. But a lot of the time, if they're a proven guy, especially from a quarterback perspective, you're selling one or two years. And so you got to convince guys that you will be good enough to compete this year. We can get you to the NFL this year. And I think that that's really where it will be interesting to see what Freeze can do to see if him and his staff can convince guys to come to Auburn and really do something in 2023, more so than convincing freshmen to do something in 2024, 2025, 2026. And I don't think you have the excuse of, oh, you only had three weeks at that point. Yeah. Because everybody has the same amount of time with portal guys, other than the fact that, you know, more local guys, I think you have a relationship with coming out of high school. You know, I mean, yeah. Quarrasol and James Smith, two five stars that end up going to Alabama. Okay. If they decided to enter the portal, they have a really good relationship with Auburn's coaches visiting Auburn six times this year. So in that case, like, yeah, you have an advantage, but if you're trying to get a offensive tackle that's from Hawaii and I don't know, playing on the West coast, like you have the same amount of time as Alabama and Ole Miss and every other SEC school that you're competing against. So I agree with you. I'm cautiously optimistic, but it does seem like the portal has been a challenge for him to recruit to because when you're recruiting the high school, you can say, like you said, in the next three or four years, we'll be really good. Whereas portal, they're looking at the roster too. They're looking that Auburn has won, you know, six games the past three years. And they're kind of like, uh, don't know if I want to go there, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think that's going to be tough, but I think that that's, I mean, that's the challenge that you sign up for. That's why you're getting paid $5 million a year and that yeah. or $6 million a year is because you have a difficult job. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And I just think that – I think that the portal is really where you'll see it. And, I, you know, I've said it on this podcast before. I think Hugh Freeze will be a very successful coach, and I do think that the vibe around the program is a lot better, and I think that the coaches are better. I mean, I think that this staff is better at coaching football than the last staff was. And so I'm I'm excited for what this staff will bring, but I am I would say that my biggest caution is what will they immediately bring in 2023? Because I kind of see this more of a slower incline. Because you, I mean, the thing everyone looks at how the SEC has been, and you see you see Brian Kelly going to LSU, winning the West in year one. You see Josh Heupel having playoff you know, desires in week two or in year two. But I think you look at – I mean, look at Billy Napier. Florida wasn't necessarily that good this year, but their recruiting was good. Like they want to fire him. But, see, I just – I think that Billy Napier is building a program. Like, I think that that is what he is doing. And when you inherit a – I mean, he – you know, when you inherit a program that is really in the dumps, when recruiting is bad, that's the thing. Because you look at when Gus Malzahn took over from Gene Chizik – Recruiting was good. Like, yeah. even that 2012 class was I, – I, I mean, off the top of my head, I don't know what it was, but it was near or in the top ten, and it, despite having a three-win season. So, when Gus Malzahn inherited the Auburn team, there was talent on that team. I mean, Trey Mason was on that 2012 team, broke a 1,000 yards rushing. Like, it wasn't like that team was just terrible and recruiting was in the dumps and he had to do a whole 180 – Turnaround. Now, Gus Malzahn was a great recruiter, and you saw that throughout his entire time at Auburn, but he did inherit an easier situation. And if you look at what 
Napier and Freeze had to do is they inherited programs where the previous coach hated recruiting so much that you're in the 60s, 70s, 80s, and you got to completely turn it around and figure something out. So I would say that Freeze and, you know, a guy like Napier are building programs. And Heupel, I mean, Heupel brought in like 40 dudes. I mean, he hit the portal really hard, and it really worked out for him. He had a great year this year. But I think that some people are going to want are going to expect freeze to win nine to 10 games because we're Auburn and we hired a coach with a, we hired a coach with coaching experience, similar to what LSU did and LSU instant success. But I don't necessarily think that's in the cards. Well, we don't. Yeah. The current roster at Auburn is not where the roster at LSU was. Exactly. Yeah. Last year. So I think that's an unreasonable expectation or, unreasonable with the current players to expect but I don't know that it's an unreasonable expectation to have that that's why we brought you in yeah because that's what you should do you you should be able to go out and bring in guys from the portal and turn the roster around and go start winning football games now oh that's a good point that's a good point so I don't I don't know that the you can't say I don't think it's unfair to have high expectations for what he should do but I think it is unfair to have high expectations for the players we have on the roster now and to get frustrated at them because, honestly, I mean, they're just not 10-win. The talent on the team right now is not a 10-win talent team. I would say, yeah, I would agree with you unless something unless something changes. Like, in Well, the, yeah, I mean, you're going to yeah. have to get some portal guys to make it – to make that, but – it's not it's just not right now yes and but i would also say like you know there are some things that we won't be able to see what will happen like robbie you know is robbie going to be the same guy or is he going to be you know looking like rg3 out there that's something where it's like all right you can either go from seven or eight wins to maybe nine or ten wins if robbie comes out and is an absolute world beater well and i mean you look at the linebacker i mean if wesley steiner exactly you know not being injured this year is able to live up to his potential. Live up to his potential. Yeah. If he's living up to his potential, Cam Riley's playing like he was early in the year before his injury. I mean, you had two linebackers. I mean, the linebacking core was just devastated by injuries. Now, the thing is, you still need transfer guys because even if those two live up to their potential, there's no, I mean, I guess Desmond Tisdall, but then after that, you're at like Jake Levant. You've got, also got Eugene Asante right there, the UNC transfer, who I think I think in a different defensive scheme, he might be able to And you have Robert Woodyard. So you have guys. You just need them to live up to the potential that they I mean, Eugene yeah. Asante was supposed to be an all world linebacker coming in from UNC. Uh has a parent die. I think it was it his dad or was it his brother? Somebody somebody in Eugene Asante's family died. During spring practice, or was it at the beginning of fall camp? I'm not 100% sure. I remember that there was something in his personal life that would make it very difficult for him to, you know, focus. And that's something, you know, I don't want to, you know, jump the gun too quick, but, and we'll, we'll kind of just touch on this real quick and go right back to football before we move on to basketball. But Chance Westry, I mean, mm-hmm. his mom passed away, you know, in the, in the, kind of early summer, late spring kind of thing. He's coming in first semester in Auburn. He doesn't have a parent. He's, you know, in college for the first time, doesn't have a parent. He's moved far away. Yeah, moved from very home. far away, had a knee surgery. So even the one thing that he's been able to cling to his whole life 
was basketball and he can't do everything he could do because of that knee surgery. So you're expecting him to come in and do all these things going through his first holiday season without a parent. Like that's incredibly difficult on a guy. So I, I think that the the mental aspect, when there's a tragedy in someone's family, you never know what's going to happen. And then you look at, I mean, Manti Teow, I mean, yeah. uh, even if it was a fake tragedy, it broke him. And so yeah. the, those kind of things, like the mental aspect can really throw someone off, but and athletes are people. Exactly. exactly. Like they are yeah. just like every other person. And so you can't expect that, well, he was a five-star. Why He should still be good even though his mom died. Like, it, yeah. it can really throw you. And so I think seeing that, Eugene Asante had that same type of thing happen. Robert Woodyard, I don't know. That was kind of an odd. I was not expecting Robert Woodyard to win Scout Team Player of the Year. I mean, I'm glad that he was putting the effort in on Scout Team. I mean, that's a nice – if you're going to be on the scout team, you might as well win scout team player of the year. Yeah. But that's typically not what you want to see out of the kind of, of your you flip from crown Alabama. jewel of your recruiting class that you flip from Alabama. Um, so if you can get the linebackers to live up to their potential, that becomes a position that's okay. And then, like you said, I mean, depth on the deal. The team has the potential to be good, but you do, you got to get some guys on the roster, you know, that you have to get a little bit more talent because you're playing behind the eight ball of, you know, basically three recruiting classes now that have been – well, I guess this would have been the fourth. What I would consider disappointing yeah. recruiting classes for Auburn University. We, I mean, 20 – I understand that there were different circumstances, but just in a vacuum because, you know, wins and losses don't care about situations. They don't care that you had three weeks to recruit. Mm-hmm. You're going to lose football games because the other team has better talent than you. So, at the end of the day, when it comes to wins and losses – it was a disappointing recruiting class. Exactly. And you look at, I mean, even even 2018, and, you know, sometimes talent loses. Like 2018, Auburn's talent, it was a very talented team. It didn't win as many football games as it should have. But the difference is you look at pretty much any team Gus had, the talent on the team was a top 10 talent, talented team in college football. And – this team will not be. This team will be, you know, by the pure numbers, the 20th best talented team in college football. So yeah. I, I think that that's just some, something to consider. And, you know, like like we said, cautiously optimistic, but there's got to be some things. A lot of things have to go right for 2023 to be a really good year for us. Yeah. I think that's I think that's the, the best way to put it. And I wouldn't say that they've gone right necessarily yet. No, exactly. And yeah. they're going to have to go right at a higher rate than what they've gone right so far is, I think, where we're sitting right now, is it feels a little bit harsenish in the really close to landing that big fish, but not... You didn't quite land them. But you didn't quite land them. It doesn't matter that you finished second for Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams won the Heisman Trophy at USC instead of playing for Auburn University. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter whether you came in second or 120th for them. I mean, they're not playing for your school. So, My my final thing with football recruiting, what grade would you give Hugh Freeze right now from what he did from a recruiting standpoint? And what grade do you think you'll give him a month from now after the portal has kind of been able to run its course more so? I'm going to give two grades. I'm going to give a circumstantial grade, and when I say that, I mean what kind of recruiter I think he's going to be at Auburn based off of this, and I'd say A-. minus. 
And then actual fact, B. Because, like I said, wins and losses don't care about your circumstances. They care about your talent. So, B-level recruiting to, you know, just talent on the football field. I would I would probably agree with that. I would say that this early signing day was – see, I, I would say that there, there are pieces. I, I would say that it's a B recruiting class, but flip, flipping Keldrick Falk was big. And that was that was something that wasn't going to happen. I mean, going into the weekend when he decides to go on his his visit to Florida State, it, it looked like it was over. It, it really did. But really turning that around and getting him, that was massive. And I think that is the most impressive win. Uh, Kay and Lee was a, a, obviously a big win for the for the staff, and that's a guy that looks really good in the class. But I would say that that one was more of a. Not not a hundred percent. Just you expected it to happen, but you felt good about it happening, kind of leading up to it. Whereas Falk, I would say, was one where we were just like, you know, it, it looked like we were dead in the water on Saturday, and we got him in the class on Wednesday. So I, I would say that that was a really good win. Um, Tony Mitchell, I mean, that's that's an unfortunate circumstance, but that's not something that's going to happen every year. So I, I would agree with you in saying a B class. I think that there are moments that were closer in the A range, but I expect a B plus to A minus portal signing. I, that's that's my expectation for for Q Freeze and this staff. But I think I mean I, I think if you don't get that B plus portal signing, I don't know you make a bowl game. I think that this staff is good enough to coach a team to a bowl game because I think that this is the difference is that this staff, I think, will be better than an Arkansas staff. Like, I think that they will be able to beat Arkansas with, with similar talent levels. The difference is the old staff got blown out by Arkansas because their coaching was better and the talent was very similar. Whereas I would say that this staff, with a, if you give two teams the exact same talent, I think that this team can beat the team because I think that they are a better coaching staff than some of the other SEC teams. Well, I mean, yeah, we saw him beat Arkansas with less talent. Yes, exactly. So, so but regardless, I think that kind of that kind of wraps up our our football talk right now. We can move on to, you know, kind of a more, I don't know, just kind of a, a different area of Auburn athletics with how Auburn fans are feeling. Going to Auburn's Auburn basketball's West Coast road trip, lost to USC by three points on the road, but bounced back with a really convincing 23-point win over Washington in Seattle. Um, Wheeler, why, why don't you just kind of kind of hop in with your biggest takeaways? I think, obviously, you know, you and I both have talked endlessly about our biggest takeaway from the past two games. But give us your opinion on the biggest takeaway and how you think Auburn will kind of use this game to be propelled into conference play on the 28th against Florida in Neville Arena. I feel a whole lot better after this West Coast trip because the USC loss was the first loss that I felt like we had of a correctable problem because I was concerned that the offense was just going to be so bad that they just weren't going to be able to score all year. And we finally lost a game that the offense was sufficient and they just had a bunch of turnovers. They were just sloppy. Mm -hmm. And I can live with that because that's – I mean, you can clean that up. That's not a problem that necessarily is a chronic problem for the entire season that you can't fix. Um, so that was an encouraging 
an encouraging thing within a loss. I'm not going to say moral victory, but just an encouraging sign of where the team is was going. Um, I also thought, I mean, that game, you had some really, really tough officiating mm-hmm. to compete against. Uh, they were calling a very tight game against Auburn. Um, USC got away with a good bit. So not a bit, not broken up about losing to USC on by three on the road. Um, and then the Washington game, I think it was good. I don't know that the win was quite as good as the scoreboard indicates. Uh, Washington had just a, a abysmal night shooting. I mean, anybody that was watching, Auburn's defense was good. Like, mm-hmm. I, I will give the effort was really good. They were in position to make plays. But at the same time, Washington was missing everything. Mm-hmm. I, I think at one point they were like 2 of 16 shooting from 3. And, I mean, if you're 2 of 16, that's almost like, you know, 14 turnovers. Like, and so it balances out. I was encouraged by the USC game. I was not discouraged. And then the Washington game, I was encouraged, but I was not like, oh, man, we figured it out. We're about to go on a rampage through the SEC. I feel better about where the team is than I did before the road trip, but I still think this – I think this will be a good year. I think after seeing the Washington game, it gave me confidence that we can sneak into the NCAA tournament. Um, you know, I a little bit higher of a seed than we're used to, but I think that this team is going to start putting it together as the year goes on. And I mean, we've talked about it. our biggest takeaway. And I think anybody that's watched any of the games, biggest takeaway has to be Trey Donaldson and his emergence. I mean, he, he so far has been the difference maker and he reminds me of KD last year without the, you know, screaming and such, as far as his impact when he comes on the floor. His effort and energy about being able to get turnovers, fast breaks, pushing the ball, it's that kind of thing that he's able to get the team going. Um, You can tell he's just, I mean, super athletic, and I think it's highlighted by the fact, and this isn't a shot at Wendell. I mean, Wendell is a good point guard, but Trey athletically is a much higher level point guard. Just pure athleticism, speed, jumping, all of that than Wendell is. And I think you can tell in the way that we're able to play when he's there because the threat of Wendell blowing by you, yes, he is good at the rim, but I think when you're playing against more elite speed, he's not able to create as many looks on his own. And I think that's what you've seen is last year, the play where you had Walker kind of curling around and lobbing it to him, that gave that split second that he needed to get by because he was not as fast. Whereas Trey, I feel like, is able to more, you know, attack the basket without assistance from other people and run the offense. Yeah, and I think also just to speak more to Trey Donaldson's athletic ability, for those who don't know, he was also a four-star safety in football. Like, this guy was a big-time football player who chose to play basketball for Auburn instead of football for Auburn. So I I think that when you look at him – and this is going to be my hot take for the pod. I, I feel like I, I usually am, you know, make – Not hot takes. Not hot takes. Yeah, I would say that I, I'm not as much of a hot take guy as you are. I think Trey Donaldson needs to start. And I think that when you look at – I'm not trying to overreact over the past two weeks. But well, Two weeks is a long – I mean, two weeks is a good – that's four games. My, my thing is I think that Wendell fits better – off the bench and I'm not it's not any it's not a slight against him I just think he is a 
He's a scorer. He's not a point guard. He is a basketball player that is smaller. And I think that he plays guard because of his size, but he's not a point guard. He's a scorer. It, it almost reminds me, to a very lesser extent, Lou Williams. You know, when he was when he was at the Clippers, he was a sixth man. He is a guy that can bring a bench unit up because it makes the bench be able to score more. But Wendell doesn't really run an offense. When he gets the ball, he dribbles around, and it seems like when Wendell gets the ball, he's there to score. And it, it's almost like he he's not looking to pass as much, whereas Zepp is the exact opposite. And he's looking to pass, 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 and he will only shoot if he is wide open. Yeah. And I think that Trey is just right in the middle that he will – look to score in the flow of the offense or he'll pass it in the flow of the offense. He can push the offense. And I just think that Wendell fits better as a bench player because he can score. And I'm not – it's not a slight against Wendell at all. He is arguably the best pure scorer on the team. You know, with his with his finishing ability, with his ability to draw fouls, with his three-point shooting ability. But I just feel like him coming off the bench – and we saw it last year. I mean, yeah. Wendell last year came off the bench. And so I think and that – And he was very successful exactly. in that role. I think – And I, we I haven't, like what you said. We haven't that. seen Wendell. We haven't seen the same Wendell that we saw no. last year. And I think that that's – I think that's the focus is when he's on the – when he comes off the bench, his role is to score. And, yes, he's playing the point guard. But if you're putting him – all right, so so let's walk through our starting lineup. When you have a lineup with Wendell, Janai, and Jay Will. J- Janai and Jay Will are better. They're, I think, I think Jalen Williams is the best player on the team. I think that we need to feed, I think the offense needs to run through him. But when Wendell is designed, when he is out there with other guys that can score at the similar clip that he can, he is more like, all right, I'm a point guard. We got to run the offense. But it just doesn't work. Whereas if you put him on the bench unit when you've got, you know, Dylan Cardwell and Johan as his front court. Those guys aren't scorers. They're more defensive guys. They're not going to be – they're not going to lead the team in scoring. Neither one of those guys I don't think have led the team in scoring all season. And I don't know if – I mean, Dylan's been here three years. I don't know if he's ever led the team in scoring. And so I think that Wendell fits better when you put him on the floor with those guys. He's more of a scorer. It's not, It makes more sense that he looks to score. And, and they, they look to feed him exactly. to score. Exactly. They're crashing boards hard, whereas – Janai is kind of like – I would say Janai, when he's on the floor, he's kind of like trying to get a good position, trying to get the ball for a post-up, trying to get some points. Whereas when Dylan's on the floor, he's kind of like, all right, I'm setting screens. I'm crashing the boards for rebounds. Like He's not looking to lead the team in scoring like Janai is. And it makes sense because Janai has post moves and Janai can lead the team in scoring. So I personally think that Wendell should come off the bench. I think that that would be best for the team. I think it would be better for Wendell. I think Wendell would score more. I think he would I think he would fit better in that role. And Trey has looked great. And obviously Trey does turn it over some. But as a freshman point guard that really hasn't played that much this season, I think that's just a problem you got to deal with and hope he figures it out moving forward. And fell's three point shooter. That is something that I don't understand how he does so much. Uh, I've, I've never, never seen s- a guy foul the three point shooter at a more consistent rate. I don't think Bruce has either. Bruce lost his ever loving mind in the Washington game when he did it again. Because you know is, they've talked about it. He's that, done it four gotta, times yeah, this season. Four times. It's like that you gotta I love the effort, love the energy, but give the give the guy a clear path down. <laughs> exactly. Like just yeah, don't do that. I, I completely agree. But I, I my biggest hot take on this podcast is that Trey Donaldson needs to start 
against Florida. Also, you know, we mentioned Chance Westry a little bit earlier. I'm hoping that this break will give him a bit of a a reset, you know? You got you got a week off, you know, a week where you're not playing a game of basketball. You have Christmas. Hopefully he'll be able to take his mind off basketball a little bit. He really didn't get many minutes at all. See, USC was a tough one because when they when they finally put him in, he had quite possibly – I think he played about three minutes. I think it was quite possibly the worst three minutes of basketball anyone has ever played. And I, I hate it for Chance because he has so much talent. He is so good at basketball. And if you watch him in Israel, he was aggressive. He felt confident, and he looked great. And he looked so good, and he looked like he did in high school – and he gets to Auburn, and obviously, you know, the knee, all this kind of stuff is happening. He's still not 100%. There are just so many factors that go into it. And I think he's just as much in his own head as his injuries are. And I think that he's trying so hard to not make a mistake and to make a play that he is making mistakes and he's not making plays. So I, I'm hoping that this week will give him a bit of a reset to focus in on, you know, you know, just just to focus in on things, and so that he can get back to the basketball player that he is. And I think that that's the that's the biggest thing, and that could really be something that changes the trajectory of this season. You know, like if, if we start getting momentum, if that Washington, I mean, we be we put up we put up eighty four against Washington. I, I mean, you know, you can say what you want; they weren't hitting shots, but from a confidence perspective, this is a good one. You go into a road, you go into a power five team on the road, you beat them by 20 plus. Regardless of if they weren't hitting shots, you feel good that you did that. And from a confidence perspective, that's what you want going into conference play. And Chance didn't play. And Chance is arguably a top three talented player on this team. So I think that if Chance can really, you know, get to where he is, where he actually can be, I think that this team could really make some strides in conference play. Yeah, and it – I mean, it also just knee-wise, it doesn't look like his knee is all the way healthy Definitely yet. not. Uh, he kind of looks like he's limping when he's walking around, you know, between possessions. So, that could be another thing, having an extra week uh, of rehab to kind of help with that. But I, I think all that you've said is right. I think if he's able to emerge, you instantly become a contender. I don't know that he's going to be able to emerge this year. I could see him coming back next year. And Auburn being really good. Having Aiden Holloway and then if Chance is able to play like he was, I just think basketball is a really hard sport when you start a season off so badly. I There are very few people I've seen that get hurt, lose their game, and get it back all in the same season. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's like Allen last year. I mean, you just kept waiting. Though I would argue that Allen still doesn't have it back. I would say that Al- Allen's a weird one because he hasn't, lost it because I think that I think that him as a sophomore had a good year because he had to have a good year well he needs one this year and he's not having one but that 2020 team didn't have anyone else like I mean JT JT and Johan I think are very similar I just think that Johan if Johan was forced to score and we said we're going to give it give him the ball we're like hey work through anything you know you need to score he could have been similar to what JT was but that team, I mean, that team was starting Jamal Johnson. Like, I don't want to hate on Jamal, but, like, it, it was Jamal Johnson. And if yeah. you've watched enough Auburn basketball, he just doesn't compare to some of the other guards. And I think when Allen was, a like, he's the guy he has to do it. And he hasn't been bad. Like, he has not been bad. And so I, I just think that there's – I think that Allen is a guy that is still a good player for Auburn. But – um. 
I just think that there's a little bit more that he could do, but I don't think he'll really reach that at Auburn. But I do think that if he makes it to the next level, I think you could see him not necessarily saying the NBA, but if he makes the G League or if he goes and plays overseas, I could see Allen being a guy that eventually works into the G League and possibly a two-way contract because of the intangibles he has. And if he has a little bit of time where he is the guy to unlock that part of his game again, I could maybe see him, you know, doing something. Yeah. Well, I'm excited for SEC play to start. Um, Florida has – I haven't followed Florida very much. Is Florida – They've won seven games. They haven't had as strong of a season as they've had in previous years. So, we ought to win. Neville one, Arena, seven-win team. When we're you gonna, ought to win. We're going to find out if uh, if Janai Broom is, you know, as – if, if Janai Broom has a kryptonite named Colin Castleton like Walker Kessler did. I mean, that guy just – He worked. He worked Walker. That was the only guy that Walker Kessler couldn't play defense on. I mean, truly, he was the only guy. I mean, Adama Sanogo in the beginning of the season, but I think Walker Walker really changed throughout the season. But Colin Castleton in two matchups really just Took made him. Walker's lunch. Yeah. So hopefully, Janai has an answer for Castleton because I think if you're able to shut him down, we should be good. Well, and I think it's going to be – I mean, Castleton – Talked a ton of smack. I mean, he was, you know, a lot of people couldn't stand him. He was, you know, he was cocky. He said all this stuff. I don't know if I've seen Walker Kessler talk trash to somebody. I have not seen. Like, literally, he didn't. No. And Janai, I don't think I've seen a single game where he didn't talk trash. Like, it doesn't matter. Very different personalities. Yes, like, Castleton and Janai are going to be going at it. And Janai has post, like, we're going to feed Janai the ball with Castleton on him and say, hey, go get us a bucket. They're going to do the same thing on the other end. I think that's going to be a matchup mentally to really watch. And with the crowd, I mean, you you know how you know how Neville Arena is going to get when Janai and Castleton get up in each other's faces and they're screaming at each other. I'm excited. I'm excited for it. Well, it should be a fun game. It should be. But I feel like that kind of wraps up uh, this podcast. We'll be back next week to break down – the rest of a little bit of transfer portal recruiting and a little bit of a focus on basketball again. Hopefully Auburn basketball will be able to start conference play 1-0 and against the Gators. We're excited about that. Uh, as always, thank you guys so much for listening. War Eagle and Merry Christmas. War Eagle.